Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you open up with me in your Bibles, the book of Philippians, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Yes. Let your graciousness be known to everyone, and the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. You may be seated. Amen. We are living in quite the precarious times. Lots of worry and doubt and anxiety. You can find it everywhere. Just pick up a newspaper or talk to your neighbor or uh, watch the news. You can see that there's fear and there's confusion and there's doubts. And, and just everywhere there seems to be a lack of of peace. No peace uh, from the pandemic with COVID uh, through this new election, this election cycle, uh, through the, the, the rioting in the streets and through the, the abuse of power that has occurred and all of these things that have happened. It seems like one after another wildfires now that are happening out west. I mean, it just seems to be one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. And it is stealing the peace of God's children. It's stealing the joy of God's children. And Paul here in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4, he says, rejoice. And then he says, and again I will say it, rejoice. Rejoice. One theologian I read this week said that rejoicing is a committed yet spiteful nevertheless. A committed yet spiteful nevertheless. And it took me a minute to think about that, to figure out what he was trying to say. What he's saying is, is nevertheless. No matter what I am facing, right. I will rejoice. Right. It's being committed to that joy, and it is saying, in spite of right. what is going on in my life, I will rejoice. Yes. It's saying, even though there's a pandemic, I'm going to rejoice. And even though there's uncertainty in our country, I'm going to rejoice. And even though there are those that abuse power, I'm going to rejoice. And even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, nevertheless, I'm going to rejoice. Rejoicing requires action on our part to say, God, I'm 
in spite of everything that I see, I feel, I hear going on around me. Nevertheless, right. nevertheless, enemy, you're speaking into my ear. I'm not worthy. Nevertheless, I rejoice. Right. Enemy, you're speaking into my ear. Uh, your family isn't safe. Nevertheless, I rejoice. You're speaking to my ear that my past has got me, uh, disqualified me from the future. You say, nevertheless, I rejoice. Because the enemy is a liar and he is a father of all lies. Yes. And your God loves you. And it says here in verse 5, the Lord is near. Yes. Rejoice. Again I say, rejoice. Let your kindness, your gentleness be known by everyone. The Lord is near. I can rejoice. I can say, nevertheless. Because I know that my God is near. The primary thing the enemy likes to convince us is that God is far away. Yeah. That he is not near to us. But the Bible says if I draw near to him, he draws near to me. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that he is the friend that's sticking closer than a brother. He is always near, the Bible says, the brokenhearted. And he is attentive to their cry. That's the Bible that says that, not me. He is near. And the enemy will try desperately to convince you that God is not near. And when he gets that seed planted and you begin to dwell on it, all of those fears and all of those lies and all of those worries, they begin to take over. And it begins to drown out the truth of God's word. It does not mean that things aren't real. There's a real pandemic. And there's real fires. And there's real unrest. And there's real abuses of power. There's real sin happening out in the world. And there are real catastrophes. But I don't have to live in Fear. Right. Amen. Because I serve a God who is sovereign and in full control. Yes. I serve a God who loves me and cares about me, who will protect me if I call upon him, who will give me peace in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on if I will simply meditate upon what is important to him. And that's what Paul goes on to say. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The Lord is near. And because the Lord is near, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Right. Meaning not a heart that is treating God like a genie in a bottle, 
And not a heart that just takes God out when you need something from him. A heart of thanksgiving, meaning you're grateful to God even if he doesn't answer the way that you want him to answer. And you're thankful for everything he's already done. And if he doesn't do another thing for you, you're still grateful and you're still thankful. I don't know about you today, but if God doesn't do another thing for me in my life, I still he still deserves all of my worship and all of my praise and all of my glory. He still deserves my thankfulness. Yes. Amen. Amen. Right? Even if when I'm in the midst of dire situations, he still deserves my thankfulness yes. and my graciousness to be gracious for what he's done. Through thankfulness, present your requests to God. So when you and I petition God, know that he's near and do so with thanksgiving in our heart for what he's already done and for who he is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard. The Greek word translated guard there means watchtower. Standing, literally standing guard over something. There are soldiers placed in a watchtower and they have one job, not to go to sleep and to watch over that which they're guarding. Now in the Roman Empire, if a guard fell asleep on the job, the uh, punishment was execution. So these guys didn't fall asleep. Someone was always awake. So God says here, Paul is writing here, he says that uh, uh, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God has a sentry set up, he's called the Holy Spirit, who's awake 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, who lives inside of you, and he guards your peace. Mm, yes. Now, if you dismiss him, he can't guard your peace. You can't relieve the Holy Spirit of duty and expect your peace to be protected. Mm. Meaning you can't ignore his voice. You can't ignore his prodding. You can't ignore his, the, your conscience as he pricks your conscience. You can't relieve him of duty and expect your peace to be guarded. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. But what we like to do is we like to sometimes stand guard ourselves because we like to let certain things through. Oh, uh oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, at the border of our country, don't ask me how I know these things. Uh, if you got know the right people, they'll let you through with a rubber stamp. Mm-hmm. Right? You got people on the border that, for their own personal gain, even they're supposed to be the watchguards. They will let people through because they want what uh, they're going to get when they get through onto the other side. They can't get it on this side, but they put it when they get on the other side, whether that's cash or whatever the case may be. We like to stand guard sometimes, tell the Holy Spirit he can take a break for a little while because we like to sneak a shipment through every once in a while. Uh-oh. 
right? We like to sneak some stuff in there uh, behind the scenes that uh, perhaps uh, uh, maybe God won't notice. The problem is, is that uh, what we're letting in behind the scenes is actually going to disturb our peace. Right. Wow. Now, the Holy Spirit will stand sentry. He will stand guard inside of us. And that's how you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because it is a supernatural peace. Right. It is a peace that I cannot explain to you. You must experience it. And I've had times in my life when I've had a supernatural peace. I've told you the story of Billy. When he was about six months old, he got, he was younger than that, I think. How old was Bill? Three months old? He, he was not very old at all. He got a temperature. It was sky high. No matter what they did, they couldn't get the temperature to go down. I was scared to death. Kelly was scared. We thought we were going to lose him. They sent him to Fairfax Hospital. Fairfax Hospital did a spinal tap. They did all these tests. They could not find what was wrong. They could not get his fever to go down. I was scared to death. I had to go home with Curtis while Kelly stayed at the hospital because we had little Kurt. The next morning, I mean, I spent the night crying. The next morning when I walked into that hospital, the Holy Spirit said, everything's going to be okay. He's coming home. And I cannot explain it to you beyond to say that I knew from that moment, beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what the doctor said, that everything was going to be okay. That's the peace that passes all understanding because the doctors couldn't give me a good report. They couldn't tell me he was going to come home. They couldn't even tell me he was going to get better. They couldn't tell us what was wrong with him and why they couldn't get his fever to go down and why they couldn't get him to respond to certain antibiotics. But that morning we walked in and Kelly and I sat together and they had him in this cage-like thing that just broke my heart. And we, we were sitting there and I just knew he was coming home. And it was that day his fever broke. And his color started to return. And the doctors to this day don't know what happened to him. What he was sick with. They don't even know what caused his fever to break. All they know is, is that one minute it did not look like he was coming home. And the next minute he was suddenly better. And I just knew it. I didn't worry for another second. I just knew. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace you can have in spite of a pandemic, in spite of looting and rioting, in spite of the abuse of power, in spite of the things that are happening in this world, an uncertain election cycle, in spite of all of these things that you're worried about, that peace that comes from God is there and can guard our hearts from anxiety and worry and fear and hopelessness and helplessness if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to stand guard. To be that sentry to watch out over our hearts. Yes. Then we get a supernatural peace. Verse 8, and finally, brothers and sisters, here's, here's the key to living a worry-free, anxious-free life. It is so simple, yet so hard to live out. It really is. When I talk about it this morning, it seems like it should be easy for all of us to do, but it's not. It is incredibly hard. But if you want to have a victorious, worry-free, anxiety-free life, these are the things the Bible says that we must do. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, yeah. 
So the first thing in having peace, the first thing the Apostle Paul tells us to dwell on is truth. Now we live in a world that says there's no such thing as absolute truth. Right now, the, the, for really the last uh, two decades, it has just become more prominent humanism, secular humanism, which says you have your truth and I have my truth. Mm -hmm. There is no absolute standard that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. I've even heard Christians say that within the last decade or even five years say, my, I have my truth. And I'm like, but this is God's truth and it doesn't line up with your truth. Listen, God's truth, if it doesn't line up with your truth, your truth is wrong. Yes, amen. But we live in a society that can't define truth. And so therefore, how can you think upon the real truth if you don't even know what truth is? Wow. And the only thing that we know is true beyond a shadow of a doubt is what God speaks. Right, yeah, amen. Because what God speaks is true. Because God is not lying, a liar, and God defines what truth is. He's the one that defines truth. So you and I must think about God's truth. And the truth that we must know is that when the enemy comes in and he begins to attack us, or circumstances attack us, we need to go back to God's word, and we need to look up truth that applies to the situation that we're facing. Right. We need to go back and say, Holy Spirit, bring to my remembrance that which I've read that's true in God's word so that I can overcome this fear and this doubt. I can overcome this worry. I can overcome what is attacking me either temptation-wise or mentally or, or physically. I can overcome this through the truth of your word. What I know to be true because God said it was true. Listen, if man tells you something and it does not line up with God's word, God is right, man is wrong. Yes, amen. If I ever say anything to you, and even if I say, thus saith the Lord, and it doesn't line up with what God's word says, I am a liar and a false prophet. There's something to take very seriously. Amen. No matter what man says, if it does not line up with God's truth, man is a liar. And God is the one who's truthful. Right. Amen. Okay? So we know that when we read in God's word the truth and his promises, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Amen. Right? He says he'll take care of us. He'll meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Yes. And he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I think the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills can make sure that I get my needs met. He may not meet them the way that I want them met, he may not give me that six-figure job. He may not give me the things that uh, I think I need, but he will make sure that my needs are met. Yes. Amen. And he'll ensure that there are avenues that those needs are met through. Amen. Roof over our head, clothes on our back, food on our table, transportation. They may not come the way or be what we want, but it'll be what we need. And it will always be on time. Because God promised. And God isn't like man that he can lie. Or that he should lie. That's the truth of God's word. When, 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 when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he quoted the word to the enemy. He quoted God's word to Satan 
to thwart the temptations of Satan. And that's our example. Right. Meditate on the truth of God's word. When you're studying your scripture, meditate on it so that when the enemy comes in, you can say, I know this is what is true and he's a liar. Right. I know this is true because God said it's true. Right. He says, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, think on those things. Think on what God considers to be righteous. Mm. Not what man considers to be righteous. Think on what God considers to be righteous. Justice. What God considers to be honorable. God does not consider hate honorable. That's right. Uh, if you and I harbor hate and resentment in our hearts, that's not honorable. Amen. That's not focusing on what's honorable. We're to focus on what God considers to be good. What God considers to be pure. What God considers to be holy. We're to focus on the holiness of God and who God is. Those are the things that you and I must focus on. But again, it's easier said than done. When you're in the midst of hurt and doubt and fear and anxiety, the enemy, he gets a foothold in there. And it's very hard to start thinking about the things that Paul has listed here. Very, very hard. And I know that from personal experience. That once you let him get in a certain, get in to a certain level, a lot of times you need a miracle from God to get dug out. Yep. Right? But this is the preemptive battle plan. To think on what's true, to think on what's honorable, to think on what's just, and to think on what's pure. Do you know what the primary reason that people lose their peace over is sin. Mm. Now, we see manifestations on the outside, but the reason many times that we lose our peace and things on the outside begin to affect us on the inside is we've compromised ourselves. Mm. Wow. Sin. That's why we got to think on what is pure. It's hard to have peace when you're looking at pornography at home secretly. And it's, it's hard to have peace when you're hating somebody in your heart. And it's hard to have peace when you're sneaking around and reading romance books that are essentially pornography for women. That nobody knows about. Right? If you've got secret sin in your heart, it's hard to have peace. I really, truly believe that is the primary reason our world has such little peace today is because of sin. And Christians have such little peace because of sin. Because how can I claim the truth of God's word if I'm living in sin? Right. Wow. How can I think on what is honorable and what is just? How can I think and focus on the truth of God's word if I'm living in sin? I can't. Because I'm focused on my sin. And what does sin lead to? Guilt, shame, condemnation. And those weaken our defenses. And you cannot have peace that passes all understanding if you are living in sin. Secret sin is the absolute worst. The sin that nobody else knows about. And we justify it because we believe nobody else knows about it. Right? 
But we're commanded to think about what is pure, what is holy, right? Guys, you should be thinking about your beautiful wives. And wives, should you should be thinking about your incredibly swelt and Thor-looking husbands. Amen. <laughs> Pure, what God has given you. Sin is wanting what God told you you can't have. That's really what sin boils down to. Don't worship other gods. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't lie. Obey your father and your mother. Sin really is wanting what you can't have. Mm -hmm. And God said no to. Mm -hmm. That's what sin is. And if we have sin hidden in our heart, you can never have peace. Mm -hmm. Because I'm constantly going to feel guilt and condemnation. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Focus on what God has already done. Focus on what you've already seen him do in your life. Focus on the miracle he's already performed. Focus on the promise that he's already kept. Whatever things are praiseworthy, Focus on those things. Focus on the honorable actions of others. Instead of looking at what everybody else is around you is doing wrong, look at what people are doing that's right. Amen. Right? We Christians love to play that game, don't we? Well, I'm better than so-and-so. And we're looking at what they're doing wrong instead of looking at what others are doing right. Focusing on what's honorable. Taking care of the poor. Taking care of the widow taking care of the homeless, taking care of the sick, taking care of the orphan, focusing on those things. If we occupy ourselves with those things, then we will not have time to worry and doubt and fear and have anxiety. And when the enemy comes in to try to bring those things up, if we will immediately go to that repertoire, this is my weapons against the enemy. This thought life will change my life then we can combat him through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and God doesn't expect us to do it on our own in fact he knows we can't do it on our own which is why the Holy Spirit was sent to live inside of us that companion that comforter the one that guide us into all truth. Let us think. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.